It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 417 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, November 14th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team focus shows for all 30 NBA teams. We got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, and you can find those all together neatly organized for your listening pleasure on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Of course, if you find a show on the network that you like, whether it's one of the NBA shows, one of our 32 NFL shows, whether it's a college show, one of the national shows, Locked On NBA or Locked On NFL, please make sure you're finding those podcasts on their own separate iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify feeds, Google Podcasts as well is included in there. And subscribing and rating and reviewing, it's the best way to support those shows. It's extremely appreciated, and I'll be forever indebted to you if you take the small amount of time it requires to do that because it moves us up the rankings and makes us more visible and helps people discover the show. And that is ultimately what we all want. I think we want to have a big community of listeners, and this is a way to help grow that community. All right, on today's show, it's just me. I'm going solo today. Uh, a little Sean by his lonesome. I'm going to tee up the Pistons game tonight. The Raptors take on the Pistons and Dwayne Casey's return to Toronto, which is uh, going to be certainly heartwarming, I think. I think it's going to be a nice night in Toronto. I think there will be lots of warm feelings being shared, as much as there's been sort of talk about maybe some, uh, you know, animosity between Dwayne Casey and the franchise, and Masai Ujiri in particular, and also Nick Nurse, and how their sort of relationship finished. Nick Nurse, obviously, yesterday uh, was speaking to the media and was kind of curt and was not really revealing at all, and as he doesn't really have to be. He doesn't owe anybody anything. So, um, you know, he was asked if he's talked to Dwayne. He said that that's between me and Dwayne. Don't worry about it. And I don't really begrudge him for that. He was pushed on it by a certain reporter, and uh, he didn't budge. So that's fine. But there is obviously some animosity. But I do think eventually 
the love fest that is going to happen when it comes to Dwayne Casey tonight is going to be tremendous. So we actually talked about that on Locked On Pistons last night or this morning with Matt Scook. And I'm going to play like a five minute snippet of that interview on today's podcast, probably in the second segment. So stay tuned for that. Uh, just sort of talking about Dwayne and the falling out and what his you know reaction should be tonight from the fans and everything like that. I would imagine there's going to be an uproarious uh, ovation for him probably at the first time out in the first quarter, as there should be. I mean, Dwayne is the reason the Raptors are where they are today, really. Masai obviously carries a lot of responsibility for that, and maybe we can talk about after I air that interview, just sort of comparing how their contributions have mattered to the Raptors, but Dwayne is a, a legend in Raptors history. He's the all-time best coach and, until proven otherwise, and that's going to be a long time until someone can take that mantle from him. So, uh, yeah, shouts to Dwayne Casey. I'll have a couple more thoughts on him after I finish uh, playing that episode or that interview with myself and Matt Scook in the second segment. But first, I guess we should just like talk about the Pistons, I suppose. We haven't really done any of these preview podcasts very much because, uh, I don't know, the, the preview ones always kind of end up being not very fresh for very long, so I don't really like doing them. But we have a few hours here before this game, and we can talk about the Pistons. Uh, they're 6-6, six and six, of course. They are kind of middle of the road in everything in terms of record, in terms of offense and defense. Uh, offense right now, they're 16th defense. They're 17th per basketball reference. So they're not like a powerhouse team by any means, and I don't think anyone would have expected... Dwayne Casey would take over this team and they'd be amazing. They obviously started the season really well. They were 4-0, kind of have come back to earth a little bit after that, after Blake Griffin stopped putting up 50-point games and is just merely averaging 24-10-5. Blake Griffin, man, still so, so good. And uh, I didn't quite get the trade for Detroit, obviously, like... There's there's reasons why you do it. The, the Pistons aren't a team that's gonna you know happen into a star and free agent free agency or anything like that. But it's a big commitment to a guy who's had a lot of health problems in the past. But when he's healthy, he's incredible. I mean, he's like three years removed or three or four years removed from being like a top five MVP guy. And you know this season, 24-10-5 is something impressive. He's shooting 36% from three on six attempts a game. Uh, he's been extremely good and extremely valuable to the Pistons. And considering the lack of talent on the rest of this roster, his contributions have been absolutely necessary to have them, you know, maintain uh, their flotation in the water. But yeah, he's uh, he's great. And shouts to Blake Griffin for the start of the season. But they're not like a crazy good team. They're they're very shallow. You know, Blake, Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson are kind of the big three. Actually, Jackson's been, I mean, he hasn't been great this season. He's not the most efficient guy in the world. His true shooting right now sits at a not so sexy. Where the hell is it here? True shooting, blah blah blah. Yeah, just he's just at fifty percent true shooting, which is actually disgusting and very bad. And most of this team is kind of the opposite of the Raptors, where the Raptors, everyone on the freaking team is shooting north of sixty percent true shooting wise. Whereas this team, not the most efficient. Blake is kind of leading the way among their high usage guys. I guess Langston Galloway is as well. Uh, you know, fifty eight point six for Langston Galloway, fifty six for Blake Griffin, which is totally fine and acceptable. Um, and then everything else is just kind of a slog offensively for them, and that is why they're the middle of the league in terms of offense. And again, I don't think you could have expected Dwayne Casey to walk into this team and instantly have it be good. Remember, he coached a really bad season for the Raptors before things got better for them. Uh, and, you know, the, I, I think the thing that you want with Dwayne Casey is for him to instill habits that over the course of a few years eventually kind of lead to more and more wins. And, like, again, th- this dude can win a regular season game like nobody's business. 
And the fact that he's 6-6 six and six with his Pistons roster is kind of impressive on its own because I don't think this roster is particularly good. Their fourth leading scorer right now is Reggie Bullock. They have Ish Smith playing a lot, um, which, I mean, I guess they always have Ish Smith playing a lot because you have to kind of have him spell Reggie Jackson. But they've kind of done a lot of two-point guard work, I suppose, with those two as Jackson, you know, kind of is a bit more of a shooting guard probably by nature anyway than, than a point guard. But... Yeah, so again, 6-6 six and six is pretty good for Dwayne Casey, and I guess that's the, the main takeaway for the Pistons. They are not particularly scary. I'm not sure who's going to guard Kawhi Leonard, for example. I guess Stanley Johnson, although that makes me sad because Stanley Johnson is kind of a sad player right now. He's only shooting 37% from the field so far this year, has not really made good on the athletic gifts that he had, and he was always supposed to be like a top-notch defender. That hasn't really come to fruition either. I know he thought very highly of his ability to guard LeBron James back in the playoffs, but Having a high uh, high opinion of yourself and your ability to guard LeBron James has not always worked out well in the past for guys. Uh, shouts to P.J. Tucker and every other Raptor in the history of the Raptors until Kawhi Leonard. You know, it's not... Uh it's not a good roster, I guess is what I'm just trying to say in no sort of intelligent or intellectual way. So I think the Raptors are probably going to take this one. That's probably, that's I guess, the crux of my opinion here. Um, we're going to see a lot of, you know, the two big man lineups with Blake and Andre Drummond. And I'm guessing this is sort of the interesting X's and O's thing that will be asked about before the game. Serge Ibaka has essentially taken over the starter's job right now for the Raptors. Ibaka started six of the last eight games and... I think it makes sense considering, you know, if they're going to flip-flop back and forth between Ibaka and Valanciunas starting, I do think with the way the league is set up right now, just in terms of, you know, what teams are playing big, how many, like, bruising centers there are around the league, especially in the Eastern Conference, where that's not really a thing very much for any team, you know, it makes sense that Ibaka would get the lion's share of starts, but I would fully expect that Jonas Valanciunas starts tonight. He, of course, has owned Andre Drummond for most of their careers. I think their last matchup, Drummond got the best of him, but for the most part, some of Valanciunas' best games have come against the Pistons. I remember he started the season with like a 27 and 14, 27 and 15, something like that, uh, last season or two seasons ago when they opened the year against the Pistons. Like that's a that's a matchup that you want to have JV out there for. And I do. I mean, if you're worried about rebounding, you're going to be worried about rebounding against this Pistons team. They are number one in defensive rebounding percentage. They are top five. Sorry, they're number six in offensive rebounding percentage and number five overall in rebounding percentage. If that's going to be a team, like you thought the Pelicans were a problem for the Raptors. The Raptors went small, obviously, late in that game. And the one real drawback to having Pascal Siakam play five in those minutes that I wrote about actually for Raptors HQ, if you want to check it out, like I thought it was mostly positive, but the one drawback was... You know, the, there just wasn't enough rebounding to contend with Anthony Davis on the court, and he kind of, you know, snaked a few rebounds here and there. Maybe got, you know, away with a couple of loose ball fouls here and there, but ended up that ended up being the difference, along with some just insane shot making by Drew Holiday and Etwan Moore. But the, so the rebounding, if that you thought that was a concern against the Pelicans, it's going to be a concern uh, tonight against the Pistons for sure. And I almost wonder. I don't really think we'll see it because it seems like Nick Nurse is pretty staunchly opposed to playing Ibaka with Valanciunas, but if there's one team in the league against which you would play Ibaka and Valanciunas together, it might be the Pistons. And it might just be a matter of you can try to stretch out Blake Griffin defensively by having Ibaka maybe play more of the pick-and-pop role he's he got accustomed to last year. Maybe you have you know Valanciunas go up against Drummond and you kind of hope you can win that one-on-one matchup and then... You hope that there's enough shooting with Ibaka, you know, kind of just standing in the corner or picking and popping along with, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green and Kyle Lowry that maybe you can get away with it. Like, that's still a lot of shooting to have on the court. You know, obviously, Valanciunas isn't afraid to take a three himself. It's not really natural within the offense. He kind of just happens into them as a trailer, stuff like that. But um, this might be the one team where you can get away with it because, A... 
It's not like they're going to really kill you with, you know, a lot of their stuff is probably Blake Griffin starting with the ball at the elbow, right? It's not like there's a point guard and a pick and roll combination that's really going to murder you unless Reggie Jackson's having an amazing game. I guess Ish Smith has had some big games against the Raptors in the past too, so maybe that's a concern. But, um, you know, I don't think with Blake Griffin kind of being the fulcrum of the offense, you're that concerned about really having Serge Ibaka be totally picked apart. Um, you know, the way he's played, the energy he's had this season, he might be able to hang. I don't think we'll see it per se. I think they'll probably trust Pascal Siakam to rebound just well enough against, uh, or sorry, next to Valanchunas up against the Blake and Drummond front court that maybe that'll be okay. Um, and Siakam's played so damn well. I don't know how you bench him at this point. He's been ridiculous. He's been maybe the third best Raptor if you, it's him or, or him or Ibaka really. So they both deserve to start. I, I don't think we'll see Ibaka start tonight. I think we'll see Valanchunas and then, um, uh, you know, maybe we don't even see it start. Maybe it's a closing lineup thing like that where they put in Ibaka if he's playing super well. Um, just I don't think we'll see it again. It seems like Nurse is pretty happy just splitting up the center minutes evenly between those two, sliding the minute slider depending who the opponent is. I mean, I, I think we'll see Valanchunas likely play his season high in minutes this year. He's played pretty much 20 minutes a game every night out there. I would expect we'll probably see him slide. I, this might be the game where he plays more than Surge, uh, if I was to predict that. But um, yeah, interesting nonetheless. It's going to kind of test the the... Commitment, I suppose, of Nurse to stick with the two centers as, you know, and just having wings around them or, you know, at worst, Pascal Siakam at the four. So we'll see how that works out. I mean, I suppose they could always just throw Kawhi on Blake Griffin if that's an issue as well and then hide Siakam on Stanley Johnson or whoever they have at the three. That could potentially work too. So uh, interesting stuff there. A different sort of kooky team that the Raptors have to go up against tonight because most teams are not built like this Pistons team are now. That's not really something you see anymore, right, is, is teams that play with two bigs like that. So it'll be an interesting sort of strange test, and we'll see how that all works out. Before I get to the little snippet of my interview with Matt Skook from Locked On Pistons, I want to tell you about our social media feeds. Make sure you're following the Locked On Podca- Podcast Network on social media, Twitter and Instagram. We're doing some really cool stuff. First of all, at Locked On NBA Net and at Locked On NFL Net on Twitter, you're just going to get all of the hosts from the networks retweeted into that timeline. It's a great resource if you don't want to go around and follow every single host on the network. Follow the Locked On NBA account, uh, Locked On NBA Net account, and you will get all those hosts retweeted every time they're tweeting about basketball or the team they cover it's going to be put into that feed and it's nice during games or breaking news to kind of get everyone into one spot all the local perspectives coming into one place and then on instagram uh locked on nba net as well we're putting little snippets of the podcast i've had a couple up there as well uh over the last couple weeks you know just if you throw them you throw up a 30 second clip with the podcast you can listen to the whole thing and go to the link and, and listen to the entire podcast if you'd like it's uh, it's a great thing to check out too it's, we're doing some fun stuff so make sure you're following locked on nba net and locked on nfl net on instagram and twitter the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Okay, let's get to my chat here with Matt Skook, the host of Locked On Pistons. We went into we I was it's a longer interview. If you want to hear the entire thing, listen to Locked On Pistons from today. Uh, we went probably like 20 minutes or so just on the Dwayne Casey stuff and then also some Raptors related stuff. The Raptors stuff is kind of stuff I've said a million times before on this show, so I don't feel the need to rehash it. But the Dwayne Casey stuff is interesting, so we'll start it off with Matt Skook asking me about the return of Dwayne Casey and what the reception will be. And it's about five minutes, so here you go. All right, and now we're being joined by Sean Woodley, the host of the Locked On Raptors podcast. Sean, thanks for taking the time tonight. Thank you for having me, Matt. Big day in Toronto tonight as we air this on Wednesday's podcast. Dwayne Casey back with the Pistons taking on the Raptors. So what's what's it going to be like? I mean, you've got the pulse of the fans there in Toronto. Uh, what do you think is the uh, the ovation? And what's the, what, do, what do we got planned for Dwayne Casey's return? I would imagine there'll be quite a bit of sort of hoopla around it. I know all the media people have been talking about it for like, you know, the better part of the last week already, kind of circling this game on the calendar. And, you know, Masai Ujiri said when he had his press conference, when he let go of Dwayne Casey, and then when he uh, traded DeMar DeRozan, like, he made it pretty clear that they are going to be honoring DeMar DeRozan and Dwayne Casey for all they did for the Raptors over the last five to nine years or seven years. or I don't even know. They've been around a long time. They were around a long time. Uh, so they're going to honor what they did because what they did was shepherd along the best era in Raptors history. And it's not even really close. And Dwayne Casey has so much to do with that because he came into a team where there was just nothing. It was a destitute, bad contract-ridden team with very little in the way of exciting talent and guys who just kind of seemed like they were around to stick around and then go move somewhere else after their little time in Raptors jail was over. I mean, Kyle Lowry was one of those people. He said it before that he thought he was going to be gone after a short stop with the Raptors. And instead, he's ended up signing two extra contracts here and has helped. He's been the best player over this run. And Dwayne Casey kind of was the guy who reined him in. You know, Kyle always had a lot of issues in terms of dealing with coaches and was sort of seen as a bit of an ornery guy. And then Dwayne Casey was able to connect with him. They never always saw it eye to eye. Like, there were some issues there, obviously. But, it, you know, they ended up forging a really good relationship that helped build what the Raptors were. So... Everything the Raptors are today is kind of a result of Dwayne Casey and DeMar DeRozan. And Dwayne Casey, his building of the culture, it was so necessary when he came to the Raptors. And maybe they outgrew it. Maybe it was just time for a change. He didn't really deserve to be fired. But just the where the franchise was, it kind of made some sense considering that they'd kind of outgrown the need for a foundation-building coach and kind of needed someone that was a bit more of a micromanaging, uh, you know, in-game tactician-type guy. And that wasn't really Dwayne Casey's strength. But... For all that he did, I, I think the Raptors are going to honor him sufficiently. There will be tribute videos. Of, uh, there will be a tribute video, I'm sure, and uh, you know a good ovation. I'm sure he'll get at some point, uh, you know, early in the game. Now, uh, Dwayne Casey had some comments to the Detroit News today that I'm reading on DetroitNews.com from Rod Beard, pretty much saying, you know, it's not the city, it's not the fans, and even signaling out that it's not ownership, not signaling out that it's not. Masai Ujiri yeah. so you know and it seems like it, from all from all purposes you know it, it seemed like that was a singular decision made by him and and, and really yeah, obviously looking at the results so far for the Toronto Raptors uh, very clearly maybe maybe the correct decision is that how you understand it is that Ujiri kind of just made this call and uh, obviously it's his prerogative to do so too yeah I think it was entirely Masai and like, I think he had a lot of trouble coming to that decision I don't think it was easy I think he took a lot of time to contemplate and make sure it was the right call for the team. And I do think that, you know, I'm not surprised Dwayne Casey and also DeMar DeRozan have kind of voiced ill will towards Masai Ujiri, but, like, 
that's part of the job, man. Like that's that's Besai's job is to make those calls. And he said, you know, in some of his press conferences throughout the summer that had he not made these moves, has he had he not pulled the trade, had he not fired Dwayne Casey, and it was the same thing for the Raptors all over again next season, then everyone's criticizing him for running back the same team. So it was kind of a no-win situation for him because I don't really think that the team as it was constructed was going to be able to hang with the Bostons or the Phillies or even the Milwaukee's now in the Eastern Conference. It would have been close. It would have been a top four team, but it's not the monster that it is now with Kawhi Leonard and under Nick Nurse's tutelage. Um, you know, maybe Dwayne Casey would have been able to, you know, milk a little bit extra out of the team, but he kind of, I think, had reached the end of his rope. And so, yeah, it was not an easy call. And I think Masai had issues with you know just personally and he, he talked about this being the worst part of the of the job and if Masai ever moves on from you know being a GM which I, I think at some point in the next five to ten years he might just because he seems like he has bigger fish to fry whether it's with his uh, charities in, in Africa and all that stuff and basketball without borders he might just move on and take over that stuff and make that his full-time thing but I also think a big reason why he'll do that is because he is really eaten alive by this personal stuff so I don't think he's like thrilled that Dwayne Casey and DeMar DeRozan are still upset with him, but I think he kind of knows that it comes with the territory, and I think what Dwayne said kind of is what at least I, th- I think gives Raptors fans solace that, you know, DeMar DeRozan is not a-, a player who is going to look back and, like, uh, you know, and have an issue with the fans or the team or the franchise or anything, right? He's going to always cherish his time in Toronto. Same with Dwayne Casey. He's always going to look back on this time fondly, speak of the franchise highly, and he'll always be sort of a figure within Raptors history. And I'm sure after it's all said and done, when Dwayne's retired, when DeMar's retired, they're going to be honored sufficiently by the Raptors in even more sort of profound ways than they will be when they make their first visits back to Toronto. But it's, uh, yeah, it's not an easy call, and I'm not surprised that Masai is kind of the target of their scoring right now but again it's just part of the job and he had a really tough call to make and he decided to make it all right thanks to Matt Skook for having me on Locked on Pistons again you can hear our full chat if you listen to Locked on Pistons today uh we went into a lot of stuff just about how the Raptors are playing and how good they are and it's a lot of the stuff you hear on this show but uh I don't know if you want to hear more of my voice that's the place to check it out All right, we are going to finish off with just one more segment. I'm going to take a listener question. I put out a call for one listener question. I got a bunch, and I'll pick the best one of the bunch. So congratulations to the winner I will select. Um, But yeah, first of all, just like, again, be nice to Dwayne Casey. There's no reason to not be nice to Dwayne Casey tonight. He is the reason the Raptors are where they are. They have been built up, and their foundation is... Yes, in large part due to Masai Ujiri making shrewd moves and trading for Kawhi Leonard and trading for, you know, or trading Rudy Gay back in the day and trading Andrea Bargnani and cleaning house when he got here and setting them up to be successful. But Dwayne Casey had the vision from the beginning. He was here before Masai Ujiri. He instilled some habits and, you know, and roles and a sort of set of, you know, the Pound the Rock stuff is a joke. And we laugh about Pound the Rock. It's now the name of a podcast. It's like, you know, it's kind of something that is, it's like a punchline at this point, but the Pound the Rock thing was very real and really helped sort of establish the Raptors into a franchise that is worthy of being talked about and worthy of being cared about. This is not the Orlando Magic anymore. This is what, you know, the the Orlando Magic of right now is what the Raptors were for most of the entire run of their franchise, aside from a couple years of Vince being at his peak and one year of Chris Bosh being amazing and the things kind of coming together in a really shitty Eastern Conference. You know, for the most part, the Raptors have been the Orlando Magic. They are not that anymore, and they don't really look like they're like they're on the precipice of going back to that anytime soon. 
And yes, eventually Masai's influence will kind of transition away, and Nick Nurse will put his own you know imprint on the on the team, and Dwayne Casey's lasting impression will be a little bit less of a obvious sort of handprint on the team but he still is the guy who built everything that came before this in terms of foundation in terms of just getting a shit ton of wins and building credibility that way like it's really hard to win 50 games in the regular season especially when you don't have a true superstar and the Raptors did that three years in a row they made the playoffs five years straight and doing that puts you in the conversation uh, where like not many teams can hang out, get to hang out, and Dwayne Casey's a big reason for that. So forever shouts to Dwayne Casey, forever respect Dwayne Casey. They should retire his very large pants <laughs> someday uh, in the in the in the rafters next to like the Raptors suit and Vince Carter's jersey and Kyle and Demar's obviously and uh, a banner that says "fuck Brooklyn" or something like that. He's up there with all of those very important things in Raptors history. And until Nick Nurse has a run like he like like Dwayne Casey just had, and like obviously the roster's set up for him to do that if Kawhi sticks around in particular, but even like even if he has a couple years here where he gets deep in the playoffs, like Dwayne Casey will still be the best coach in Raptors history for a very long time. He's got a lot of ground to make up. Nick Nurse does to catch up to Dwayne Casey. All right, we are going to finish up with that listener question I talked about. We will get back in just a second, but first. Is your company looking to find a way to reach new customers? Your company could be mentioned right here in this very space on this podcast. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors that they hear on podcasts. Our demographic is 98% male with more education and earning than traditional media audiences. And you can have your company sponsor this podcast. All you got to do is email me at sean.woodley1 at gmail.com. That's sean.woodley1 at gmail.com. We can get the process started for you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, let's get to the listener question of the day. And I think this one's actually going to go to, oh man, there's so many good ones. So shouts to Tim Amore, who sent one in asking what the Raptors record, what would the Raptors, Raptors record be right now had they not made the big offseason trade? Um, that's a good one, but I, it's hard to say because it's so early in the season. They'd be very good still because they win a lot of games and DeMar DeRozan's very good. I would imagine there's something like 10 and 4 or whatever the record, there's, they'd be excellent, but... Uh, I'm not going to use that one as my winner for this one. I'll go with this one. This is kind of ties into an earlier one or a later one from uh, Dan who sent in a question asking higher ceiling OG or Pascal. That's also a good one, but I'll go with the more full-fledged one here from Zach at ZXCHDAVI. Do you think Pascal can become similar to Draymond Green with regards to being able to defend one to five? Siakam has higher upside on offense, but his defensive instincts I think are there. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, he already kind of defends 1-5. to five. I guess the, the only problem for him, and this is kind of, I think, different from a lot of guys who are sort of viewed as multi-positional defenders, true, true multi-positional defenders like Draymond Green. Like, I, I would say Draymond, he can guard centers, no problem. He's insanely strong. He can guard a center. That's no problem. But in terms of point guards, that might be where he's exposed a tiny little bit. Even then, he can switch on to guys, and it's not really a problem. That's why the Warriors are so damn good. 
With Pascal, he's already shown he can guard point guards. Like we saw it in the playoffs last year against the Wizards. He guarded John Wall, and it was totally fine. He even guarded Bradley Beal here and there. Um, and it might be that for him, the, the last hurdle to climb in terms of being a true five-position defender is to be able to guard centers. And, you know, we saw there was a bit of an issue in the final minutes of the game against the Pelicans. Anthony Davis is very hard for everybody to guard, though, so I'm not sure that's really something to be concerned about. But Siakam's obviously not, like, incra- crazy strong just yet. I mean, he's extremely athletic and springy and picks up blocks all over the place. I was watching back that game on Friday, or on Monday, sorry, and like there was one play in the fourth quarter when they had that death lineup on the court where Danny Green allowed one of the most easy, inexplicable blow-bys I've ever seen, and Siakam just kind of came in from the nail and swatted the ball away from Ian Clark, and it was like the easiest looking block I've ever seen, and I don't know how how Ian Clark didn't see it coming, but I guess that's just how fast and athletic and sort of the nose that Pascal Siakam has for rim protection coming coming through there. So I do think he can be a guy who can play center, and I think we'll see it more. Nick Nurse said we weren't going to see that lineup very often, which is not shocking. I mean, you think of the Warriors. They don't play their death lineup, you know, all that often. They play it when they really need it because, A, you don't want to put too much tape on it so people really know how to deal with it, and, B, why, like, that that's sort of a, a last-case, break-in-case-of-emergency case kind of lineup where you're definitely trading off some stuff in terms of rebounding and size, but the, the upside of it, the energy that can provide to a game and sort of the the run that I think that lineup would be capable of if everything broke right and Drew Holiday wasn't hitting every three over the heads of Danny Green and, and Kyle Lowry or whoever else he was hitting threes over. Like that, that upside for that lineup is insanely good, but you probably want that in smaller bursts because it is probably going to be very much predicated on its speed and explosion. So maybe you want that more in shorter bursts. I don't know, but um, yeah, I think Siakam very much could be one to five. Draymond is such a hard comparison, right? Because there's a reason the Warriors, even without Kevin Durant, reached the heights that they did. And Draymond is a big reason for that. That is That dude is a defensive player of the year candidate every year. He's one of the best defenders we've seen this century. And like, that's a lofty goal if you're trying to set that for Siakam. So I don't know if, we can get, if we're going to see Siakam get to that level defensively. His, you know, I think even Nick Nurse has kind of talked about it. Maybe his defensive instincts have kind of taken a bit of a hit considering how much focus he's putting on offense. And maybe it's just a matter of him trying to find some balance and, you know, kind of learn how to, you know, just juggle the two properly and have a good balance between offense and defense. But, like, the the exchange that he's had with offense this season, like, you'll take that every time because... His offensive upside now, his ability to drive on guys and take advantage of matchups and not be a complete albatross when he's on the court as a non-shooting threat, you know, even if teams aren't going to guard him, you put the ball in his hands and he's going to drive into somebody and put an eight-foot push shot, push shot over their head and it's going to go in because he never, ever, ever misses those shots. So the, the fact that he's become just a, a part, an engaged part of the offense as opposed to just a bit part who, you know, grabs offensive boards and leaks out for outlet passes, that changes the game, right? Because Nick Nurse talked about this as well before the game on Monday, just that when you have Siakam and teams aren't going to guard him, okay, we'll just put the ball in his hands and then we open up all these different possibilities. We saw him throw a beautiful assist to OG Ananobi in the corner uh, in the fourth quarter when he was playing center. You know, he drove in from the baseline, hit a beautiful bounce pass along the baseline to OG in the corner and it was just like, okay, like this is, this is an offensive upside that we saw Draymond kind of discover in those years where he kind of reached his ascendance in in Golden State. And the reason the Warriors were able to, say, beat the Cavs in their first finals matchup back in 2015, I guess it was, the reason that was able to happen was Draymond was, he became a better playmaker. And the, the reason they almost lost that series is because 
Draymond wasn't a very good playmaker in the, early, in the early part of that series. He figured it out. Obviously, David Lee got put in there a little bit and did some stuff too. But Draymond's sort of, he unlocks the ceiling of a team because he can be a playmaker while also being an incredible defender. And he also shot really well on threes back in that time as well. And, you know, it's interesting to see now, as his three-point shooting has gone down, how much his defense is going to be valuable for it. it, it uh, the Draymond stuff is fascinating to me. Everything about the Draymond story right now is, is is great. And I guess this kind of dovetails into another thing that kind of ties into the Raptors. Like, if you see the Warriors and what's going on now, I'm sure all of this stuff will eventually blow over. But there is very real angst in that locker room, it seems. And Marcus Thompson's piece today for The Athletic was excellent and... This could be the beginning of sort of the dismantling of the Warriors dynasty. It really could be sort of one of those flashpoints we look back at with Draymond calling Kevin Durant a bitch a bunch of times. <laughs> Maybe that is what brings it all down because a lot of these time, a lot of the time, these dynasties fall apart from the inside. And, you know, it's interesting to see that Draymond, the guy who is kind of the reason that they became what they became and unlocked so much for them. Obviously, Steph Curry's incredible and might have won titles by himself without having Draymond on the team, but Draymond opened up so much, he made that team into what could be the best defensive team in the league, and it's interesting now that kind of the the intensity and the like the the fire that I think probably resulted in him getting suspended back in 2016 in the finals, and then also has kind of led to whatever angst is going on between him and Kevin Durant and the rest of the team. Like that could end up being it's just it's it's kind of poetic that Draymond unlocks the ceiling but also closes it off eventually at some point because he's Draymond. I'm Team Dray by the way all the way. He's awesome, and Kevin Durant. Uh, should maybe get a helmet, and I think it's funny that the Warriors are like catering to him by suspending Draymond, but hey, that's a different story. But to to talk about the Raptors, uh, this has nothing to do with Siakam's comparison to Draymond anymore, but you know, this is why you make the trade for Kawhi Leonard. This is why you stay good. This is why you put yourself in the position, because even if we all think it's preordained and the Warriors are going to win, maybe there is some sort of thing that rips them apart from the inside by the time June comes around, and if the Raptors are in the finals... Hey, they have a fighting chance, and that is very cool. So, root for all of the drama and soap operatic stuff to happen in, in, in Golden State, I suppose, if you're a Raptors fan. I don't think anyone will care if the Raptors win a title because the Warriors are falling apart from the inside because they hate each other. Um, you know, that that's just the price of doing business, I suppose. So, um, yeah, that that's a fun story, and it's weird that the Raptors are, like, sort of a beneficiary of it, but that's where the Raptors are at this point because they are very good and because Pascal Siakam himself might be kind of unlocking a similar type of ceiling. Obviously, he's got a lot of work to do. He's still got a pretty loose handle, and he's got some work to do on defense. And, you know, the the, the three-point shooting, obviously, it's been nice the last two games, but if it doesn't come around to a Draymond-type level, then that comparison is never going to be apt. But he seems like a guy who is maybe unlocking that bit of, a bit of a ceiling, adding maybe a big three-type element to the Raptors, which maybe they didn't really have or expect to have coming into the year. But goddammit, Pascal Siakam rules. And he if he continues to go at this tra- at this at this rate on this track, he is going to be a tremendously valuable player to all of the most important Raptors lineups. The way Draymond is to the Warriors, he's going to be able to play the four. He's going to be able to play the five in small ball lineups um, against non-Anthony Davis employing teams, I'm assuming. So yeah, exciting stuff for Pascal. Exciting stuff that the Warriors are falling apart. And uh, thank you so much for listening to today's show. I, I think I've rambled on quite long enough, so I'll wrap it there. 
Thank you again. We will be back again on Thursday. Myself and Vivek Jacob are going to talk about the Dwayne Casey game. I'm not going to be there because uh, i got to be on radio tomorrow. But if you want to hear me on the radio for three hours, uh, 6 a.m. TSN 1150 tomorrow morning, 6 to 9 with myself and Kyle Mello if you want to tune in there. I'll also be there Friday and then most of the next two weeks because the CFL playoffs have opened up one of those morning show slots for me because Marshall Ferguson, the other co-host, is covering the CFL. So uh, I'll be on TSN 1150 a whole bunch in the next little while. You can also listen to my weekly show, Hamilton is Hoops. If you're interested in local Hamilton basketball stuff, if you want to hear about McMaster University or the Canadian Elite Basketball League, that's the place to tune in for that. It's uh, on tsn1150.ca. If you just go to the webpage, it's there. Um, Or Tuesdays from 7 to 8 p.m. I guess I'll keep promoting stuff. You can follow me on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can go to Raptors HQ, read my piece about the Velociraptor lineup the Raptors put out with Siakam at the 5. I'm doing my thing again where I'm being very on brand and doing my column where I look at what didn't suck about all the Raptors' losses. They're not going to have many of them this year, so I have no problem committing to that. Hopefully they don't go on like a 10-game losing streak at some point through injuries or some terrible thing like that because I will have painted myself into a corner, but the Raptors are very good. They're not going to lose many games, so I'll after they lose games, I'm going to try to help sort of gain some perspective. It's not, you know, it's easy to get mad after a loss, and there are so few opportunities for the inner sports fan anger urges to be really brought to the fore with the Raptors that I think when they do lose, people are going to be kind of upset and miffed about it. So I'm going to try my best to make sure you're not and and try to highlight the things that were good, like Pascal Siakam juking the shit out of Anthony Davis with a little pump fake and a lefty finish. That was really cool, and I talk about that in the piece. So RaptorsHQ.com, Patreon.com slash Sean Woodley Raptors as well for bonus podcasts. Uh, The most recent one is myself and Katie Heindel talking about the Raptors. So please listen in for that. And that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow, as I said, with Vivek Jacob. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Locked On Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 